Thank you, Miss Evelyn. I appreciate that. If you were listening to the words of that song, that's a prescription for revival right there. Just asking God to search us. God knows us better than anybody. Show us who we are. Show us where our need is. And then we respond to that need. That's why I say often revival is very personal. Sometimes we look at revival and we want revival to fall on all the church at one time. And uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if it was like the Acts chapter 2 where the Spirit moved like that. And I don't doubt it could do it again, but I believe today if we're going to have revival, it's going to be very personal where somebody just gets a hold of the promises of God and, and God begins to work in their life. And I don't believe that God is a respecter of persons. I think his word says that, right? Uh, why not we just decide that I, I would like to be the person that allowed revival to enter into our church. What a wonderful song, wonderful message in that. Wonderful message because it came straight from Scripture, amen, and there's nothing better than that. I'm thankful for you tonight. I'm glad you're here, and I hope you're glad that you're here. Uh, Brother Matthew gave me a sticker earlier of a smiley face, and I, I put it on my shirt. He says, no, put it over your heart. And I'm like, all right, I'll just put it right there on my coat. It goes with my tie tonight, and I'm glad to be here. I even have a sticker to prove it, amen. We should have given out stickers tonight for everybody that's glad to be here, and if you're not glad to be here, we'll give you a frowny sticker, all right? Now, that way it'll go with your face, amen? I hope you are glad to be here, and I hope you have a smiley face, and I hope you're looking forward to hearing from God. That's why we're here. It's never about the speaker. It's never about the pastor or the preacher. It's about hearing from God. I promise you, if you'll tune in your spiritual radio to that Holy Spirit's line, you'll hear from him, and you'll go home with something. I told the child this afternoon, I think it was this afternoon, I can't remember what time it was, and uh, I said, I just, I can't wait to get to church. I just want to get to church because I need to hear from God. And I know God has something for me. I know God has something for you. And uh, I'm praying tonight. We just all do the Lord's will during the invitation time. Let's be submitted to that. But the child's come preach for us again tonight. Share us another installment about your testimony. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, uh, while you turn to Mark chapter 5, we'll let you get started in Mark chapter 5. Um, I want to thank you for all the hospitality and all the kindness that you've showed me. And I also want to thank each and every one of you that came up last night and told me your testimony. I really greatly appreciate your testimony. And I also want to thank, oh, those are your tracks. Hang on. I have uh, one, two... Three, four, five. I got five notes last night. All five encouraging. Nobody tried to tell me and run me out of town. Even got one from a little girl. Um, I sure do appreciate all your encouraging notes that you handed me last night. And your encouraging words that you said to my wife. Um, who will celebrate her birthday tomorrow. Oh, look at the face on her. She's going, oh no. So my wife will turn 39 once again tomorrow. One more time, she turns 39. Um, if you please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to start in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. If you can, thank you. Just out of respect to God's Word. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadeans. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains because that he had been 
often bound with feathers and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, and he was in the tombs, crying and cutting himself. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee uh, by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Jesus speaking, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And the man, sorry, and he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, let's take a simple example from your Bible, dear Lord. And uh, I don't want to uh, get ahead of myself, dear Lord. I ask, dear Lord, that the people see the simple truth, dear Lord, here, of an encounter that the Legion had with Christ. Heavenly Father, I ask you, dear Lord, that you would go before me and prepare the hearts, dear Lord. Prepare the hearts within the sound of my voice, within the broadcast of my voice, that the people would see the authority that Christ had and the compassion that Christ had. And you can't have an encounter with Christ without being transformed. And Heavenly Father, I ask you, dear Lord, just one more time. My feet are not home. My feet are on strange soil still yet. Just a few months. Heavenly Father, I ask you to return me to my home soon. I love being with churches. I love hearing choirs like this one, dear Lord. I love the fellowship. But I was made for another place. And I long for that place. And I long for those people. I ask these things in most heavenly and precious name. Amen. So that place I just referred to, um, we have a staff meeting on Monday. I thought maybe you might like to hear this during revival, a little bit of encouragement. We had 14 saved last Sunday. Among the eight churches, we had 14 come to Christ, be added to the Lamb's Book of Life. We had three that want to get baptized. And we had... 100, uh, 170 something, I forget the number now, I'm sorry, 170 new visitors. See, our church there in the capital runs about 600, 800. We hold services at a hotel. We try and hold services at a hotel conference room because that allows us to engage in commerce. Therefore, in commerce, we have a contract and I can say what I want among that conference, just to give you an idea of how we do things. Now, I do believe I left you last time at court where I had been found guilty. I'd been given a certain amount of time. We asked for more time. In my flesh, we immediately signed the documents and filed an appeal. I was not saved. do anything not to go to prison. So we filed an appeal, and I had about three months, four months to clean up my affairs. I have a family farm in Virginia. 
young lady had been to my hometown over here. I have a family farm, um, generational farm, a Civil War historic landmark. It was seized by the federal government. I lost our family farm, all 600 acres, seized by the government. Now it's a retreat for federal workers. Oh, does that burn me up? Even today, even today, if I let my flesh ponder and think about something that, that my loss to my flesh, I want that farm back. But Jesus is in control. So if he didn't want me to have it, I said, Jesus, you know I'm a missionary to a closed country. You know I could use that farm. You know I could fill a farm, a camp in a summer with teenagers from a far off land and be able to preach to them, have activities. Oh, I could use that farm. Been flat on my face praying, Lord, give it back. No, he said. And we wrestle, but I ultimately have to submit. So that's kind of my first point for you right here. The authority of Christ in your life versus what you want. I want my family farm back. I lost it. These are the rules. These are the laws. I want it back. But he said no, so I have to respect his authority. What is it that you want? What is it that you feel slighted about by me, by preacher, by the church, by the staff? What is it that you feel slighted about, but you're not willing to submit your flesh to the authority of Christ? Do you understand that the legion, the demonic spirit that possessed a man looked at Jesus Christ from afar off, from afar off and recognized, I have nothing that I can battle Christ with. My only choice is to fall down and worship him and hope he has mercy and grace upon me. Woe is me. I wish we would do that. I would not be possessed, but I wish we would recognize Christ from afar off and fall on our faces and surrender and say, don't give me what I deserve, Lord. You may be saved, and amen if you're not. And by the way, if you're one of those, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, Please come tonight and tell me the rest of the, you know, the rest of you that didn't get to me or, or that I was busy talking. I apologize. My email is on the back of my prayer card, Brother Jeremiah. I'd love to hear how people came to the Lord. Last night, I had a man come up to me, and we were talking, and he said, I'm from Puerto Rico. From Puerto Rico. I went to a military prep school right outside of Washington, D.C., one of my best friends, he was my roommate, my eighth grade year. We don't get to pick our roommates at our school. He was my roommate, my eighth grade year. Was from Mayaguez, Puerto Rico. You would think living with him for a year, I would learn a little bit of Spanish. Nah. His dad was a congressman in D.C. Give or take, you know what I mean. And that's what he did. And he came to our military school. 
And I still remember, I'm going to call him by his name that we knew him as, Junior. And I still remember Junior in his first snowfall. He went downstairs and got garbage bags, put them on his hands, over his military gloves. We had a whole full dress uniform, a whole bit I'd go to school in. And he put him over that, and he just went downstairs and played with the snow like a childlike mentality. And then the authorities said at school, hey, it's time to go to school. And he submitted to those authorities, and he went. You submit to your authorities at work. You submit to your authority in the house. Teenager, kid, child. Don't grin at me. Sitting there grinning at me like, no, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure I trust you over there all of a sudden. Just joking. Joke's on. But... Isn't it interesting that we will submit to the authority in our life, but we will not submit to the authority of Christ in our life or the authority at church? I bet if I asked everybody in here, I bet we would get one, two, three, four, best I know, five, six. I bet we'd get less than ten people in here who've ever planted a church or pastored a church. But it's interesting how everybody has their opinion how the pastor should behave, how the church should behave, what color the walls should be, what color the carpet should be. It's interesting how you have all these opinions and you've never run one, you've never built one, you've never contributed to one. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have led someone to the Lord or is the fruit dying on the vine with you? How many of you have gone out soul winning? You're not commanded to win souls, you're commanded to go. You're commanded to go. I just wonder some of those people that cause disruption talk behind backs. Keyboard commandos get behind a keyboard. Mention things. I heard about a gridiron, fellow gridiron sufferer. Keyboard commando. My goodness. You know the address of the church? I'm right here. Come on down. It's not that far. I know where you're at. Come on down. Let's have a meeting. Let's have a talk. Let's be men about this. Let's not be cowards. I like that. Face to face. Bible to Bible. Let's look. And I mean that in love. I do. I do. It's just I was saved from a lot. And there's a lot going on. You ready? He doesn't even know it yet. I led two people to the Lord today. Two. Two. Both came up to me. One was from the hotel. Staff. I've been working on her. I've been working on her. She said she had a sleepless night. A little rough the other night. After Sunday night. Some of the things I said. Surprise, surprise, right? Maybe some of you are like that. And then I just hit her in and out every so often. You're pondering those things. You're thinking about those things. Would you like a home? Would you like a home in heaven? Would you like to get it settled right now? Right now? And then there was a businessman from University Park neighborhood. I think it's called University Park. He gave me his address. And I may be wrong, but it was university something. 
And he just looked at me. We were talking, and he just looked, and he said, are you a preacher? I've had that happen a lot. Are you a preacher? Because they recognize biblical truth that's coming back at them. And we were talking about the world. We weren't even talking about the things of the Bible or salvation. And I said, yes, I am. He had a few questions. They were easy. You teenagers could have answered them. And from that point on, he told me about a divorce. He told me about the things going on in his life. And I said, a lot of problems. But I can solve one of them right now. I can solve one of them right now. And he said, what's that? I said, I can get you peace beyond understanding. Beyond anything man ever has had. I can solve man's greatest problem in your life right now. And I didn't say repeat after me. I don't do that. I give him the facts. Show him out of the Bible. Your decision. You're accountable now. You want to pray? Ask Jesus into your heart. It's on you. Go from here. And he did. And the only reason I tell you that I saw two saved today is to back up what I said from up here. Hattiesburg's dying and going to hell and we're bickering. Let's get outside these four walls, people. Let's get out there. Now, I'm going to challenge you under the authority of Christ. Not the authority of me. Not the authority of Brother Jeremiah. But under the authority of Jesus Christ. I would like for you to get a track from your church. It's a shame. and I, I really mean this. It's a shame that guest preachers come in, hand out close to 500 tracts in your town, lead two people to the Lord, and you've been here all along. I'm going to challenge you to take a track. Tonight, tomorrow night, whatever. What, just, just one. Do you see that thinness right there? That's what separates heaven and hell. Just that thin line in someone's life. I'd like for you to take a track. And I don't want you to run right out to Walmart, Target, or whatever and hand it out. I want you to lay it at home. Lay it in your Bible. And I want you to pray over that track. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me, direct me. Who can I hand this to? Make it clear, Lord. You pray it however you want to pray it. I'm just giving you an example. And I do mean every single one of you and every single okay I'll skip those three actually uh oh come here yeah don't look don't point at me and go oh no not me no not you him you're an ugly teenager that's pretty good but I need you up here come on hustle 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 hustle, hustle. come on here he comes here he comes come on come on come on come on come on take this track I want you to repeat after me I want you to look at them. May I give you something to read, please? Can you say that? Okay, let's go. All right. Say it loud. Say it loud. Go ahead, say it. Say it to them. What? May I give you something to read, please? May I give you something to read? And hold it out. Now, there he is. Hold it. Don't move. Excuse me, sir. Can I give you something to read? Huh? 
Who's the heathen going to take the track from? Is Mississippi so far gone? Is Hattiesburg... You okay? All right, you just stand right there. Put your hand down to your side. You're okay. Stand up straight. Straighten your feet up. What's wrong with you? Military, let's go. All right, there you go. Your arm getting tired. You can switch arms if you're tired. Who's the heathen's going to take a track from? Me or him? Huh? See, I started track team in China. I know that's what my daughter, our daughter, was doing when we lost her. That's why I hand out 100 tracks every day, no matter where I go. You did a fabulous job. Is there anybody out there you want to give that track to? No? Okay. <laughs> Thanks for helping my illustration. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I forget your name. What's your name? Liam? Thank you, Liam. You're a fine young man. Not one of those teenagers. <laughs> I can work with them. I don't know how I can work with you guys. I'm going to show up basketball practice one of these days. I'm going to show up. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across? He can do it. Why can't you? Take one track. Take it home. Pray over it. See who the Lord... Yeah, I'm filling up my pocket a little bit. I don't know why. I just am. Go out there and take Hattiesburg, please. Don't leave it up to a guest preacher who comes in here. Don't leave it up to a guest preacher to go out there and lead people to the Lord. You do it. You do it. You'll find that if you're about the Lord's work, there's not a lot of other time. So the first thing is, the legion recognized who Jesus Christ was. He recognized who was, what kind of power he had. I want you to realize the miserable condition. I know, someone just told me. I forgot to finish. All right, sorry. I'll do it real quick. Be sensitive to your time. So, I'm in court. I get found guilty. We file an appeal. All that time, months go by. I go through the processing of going into a federal system. But guess what? I laundered money in 38 states. Some states didn't want to give up the right. They wanted restitution. They wanted me to serve in their prison. So what did I get to do? I got to be handcuffed. And I got to fly on the federal airplane or in public airplanes to several states. Do you have any idea what it's like being escorted by the Justice Department and the FBI? Walking through a public airport? Realize how that made me feel? I would board before everybody else. I sat in the front row. Two to my left and right and two to behind me. Thought I was Al Capone. I was charged with a criminal enterprise. But you thought I had, you know, weapons all over and I was about to shoot these guys or something. But they were just being cautious, I guess. Flew all over the United States, a whole bunch of states. Had to appear in court. You ready? I'll be sensitive because of the young ears. Every time you go to a new jail to be held for court the next morning, you're processed all over again. That means you lose all this. Get searched all over again. Get sprayed all over again. Get an orange jumpsuit handed to you. Sometimes it was a blue one. Get a jumpsuit handed to you. Then in the morning, you put on your suit, mandated to state custody with a signature. Then you went to the court, 
said what your lawyer said. The judge said, okay, I give up the right. It's back to the feds. We did that for five minutes. I had to endure all of this for five minutes. And then we'd leave. And then I would be mandated from state to fed. And that whole process happened again. All this back into a, a whole different custody battle between the state and the fed. It'll bring you humility real quick, real quick. So then, I finally get to where I'm going. I am in Missouri, the state of Missouri, down by Boot Hill in a Federal Correction Institute. On the second day that I was there, they yelled church service. I looked around, looked at my history and said, Maybe I should go to church. Something's wrong. Something went wrong somewhere. This missionary with a seventh grade education from the Rock of Ages named Slater Mosley, one of my best friends, he is in heaven now. Slater Mosley stood up, went to preach, and he said, you inmates, and that was the first time I'd ever been called inmate. He said, you inmates would kill each other for a million dollars if I had it up here. I was still full of pride. I said, I'm not killing anybody for a million dollars. Been there, had more than that. Why would I do that? Kind of crossed my arms and kind of looked at him. You got anything else to say? And he did. And he got me lost in five minutes. Five minutes. I was lost. I knew I had sinned. I knew I had all kinds of sin. I knew I was destined for hell. But guess what happens? September 24th, September 24th, 1999, was the worst day, night, evening of my life. I was accountable for sin. I was heading for hell. But this is what happened in church service. On the back right-hand corner where Brother Zach's sitting back there, I don't want to see anything like this happen back there, but a fight broke out. I don't know if you know this, but the inmates don't necessarily get along all the time. And the church was just a place to fight. And they had prearranged to fight. I didn't know nothing about it. I hadn't been, you know, jumped into my gang yet. So back here on the right-hand side, fight breaks out. Alarm bells going off. Sirens going off. Tear gas coming in. I'm standing there as the Ivy League graduate from Princeton going, all right, I'm fine, but... Nobody come near me. I was. Then I got hogtied. Ankles, hands, and picked up by some big guards. He was standing right there when it all happened. And I went from second row right here out the door. Well, I didn't have a choice which door. They just carried me. And as I went by, I looked him right in his eyeball, and I said, Childs, three west. He knew what that meant. You can kind of guess what that meant. That was the side of the prison, the wing that I was on. Now, he remembered what I went to prison for, laundering money for the Russian mob. I forbid any family to come and see me. The only person I talked to in prison was my attorney. The next day, I taught a college class in prison, an inmate, teaching other inmates college class. 
I was the first one in the federal system to teach a college-level class as an inmate. So, I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to go to class. And then, all of a sudden, I heard Sergeant Richardson. Sergeant Richardson was about six foot eight, about 350 pounds, and I, and I am underestimating him. And Sergeant Richardson, I heard his radio go off, and they said, Child's visit. He looked down at me, I looked up at him, and I said, No, uh, you need to check your fi or my file. Child doesn't have any visitors. Mm-mm. I'm not going downstairs. That's what I, I feared. See, I knew where everything was. I knew all the money was. I knew all the bank accounts. Made me more valuable to the mafia. I knew where it all was. And I said, I'm not going down. And he, who's here to see child? And he said, the preacher. And I was so uninstitutionalized, we call this in prison, I grabbed the door and tried to open it. I thought I could just walk downstairs, walk all over wherever I wanted to go. I had been there for a while, a couple days, and I tried to open it. He said, child, hang on. Bus three. He busted three. I went downstairs. I sat with that missionary with a seventh grade education. He had the biggest Bible. He had been in a prison in Mexico. Not himself, but preaching. And the prisoners made him a Bible cover out of really big saddle leather and thick, beautiful. And he kept it. And that's what he put his Bible in. We sat down at an aluminum table. He didn't debate me. He showed me God's Word. First person in my life ever to show me God's Word. I told him, I said, what's the rest of the story? Like, okay, I'm a sinner, I'm going to die. I had no idea I could go to heaven. I had no idea. The night before, I sat up with a small Gideon's Bible under a prison light trying to find an answer. In the beginning, reading in Genesis, and just kept reading, and half the Bible wasn't there. It had been torn out. It was terrible, people. The condition of the people outside of here. Miserable. Suffering. And we sit in here. Comfortable. Saved on our way to heaven. Fruit dying on the vine because we won't share the gospel. He drove two hours to see me. He drove two hours to see me. Two hours the day before to come to church. Two hours to go home. And two hours to come back to see me that morning and before 8.30. At the end of the whole thing, he closed his Bible and the aluminum table just vibrated and made a much louder noise than that. And it, to me, internally, it was the gates of heaven starting to close. I felt pressure. I felt nervousness. I was sweating. The back of my neck was soaked. I was a sinner destined for hell to be with Satan for an eternity. But he gave me hope and he told me that there was a free gift of grace. Yes. And I accepted Jesus Christ and I said my own prayer. I confessed stuff like you wouldn't believe. I confessed almost everything. When I was a little kid, uh, I had a, a dog. His name was Gus. I broke a lamp. Dad said, who? Remember dad, you know. Mm -hmm. And dad said, what was that? Who broke the lamp? Gus! 
I remembered that and I felt guilty for that my whole life. My dad died when I was 19. I felt guilty that I never told him. I don't know why. But I was asking Jesus for forgive me. Forgive me for that lie and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I mean a whole bunch of other stuff. I want you to realize that I laundered money for the Russian mob, drugs, prostitution, sex trafficking, the whole gamut, weapons, all of it. Brother Jeremiah asked me the other day, how much? I'm not going to go into it here. He said, how much do you think you went through? I told him. And he said, I had no idea it was that much. I handled the entire United States Russian mob. All their money came through me, one way or another. A lot of money. A lot of sin is what it was. So I got saved right there. He handed me three Bible studies and he said, see you Sunday. I took those three Bible studies. I had them done. I brought them back to him on Sunday. I handed them to him. And he said, you read and write pretty good, don't you? I said, mm, not bad. Better than Harvard's. Better than anybody graduate from Harvard. So I handed him back. I said, do you have any more? He said, yeah. And then the fellowship started. I graduated the Rock of Ages Bible College right in prison in about eight months. And I got a letter one day in the mail. And they called me Brother Childs. Brother Slater was the only other person to call me Brother Childs. And it was Ron Garris himself wrote me a letter. And he said, here, I wrote this Bible study for you because you've kind of exhausted everything we have. I was thirsty. I wanted God's word. I wanted more and more of it. One week after I got saved, I led two prisoners to the Lord. And you want to know how ignorant I was? I said, come on, guys, we're going to church. I said, okay. I took them to the preacher. And I said, Brother Slater, check them out. They said they're saved, but you check and make sure. I don't know if I did it right. It was pretty bad. It took a half hour to, on each one. You check them out. Like he was going to open them up and look inside. Half a prisoner can do it. I didn't even have my own Bible. If I can lead someone to the Lord one week after being saved, how long have you gone without even handing out a track? Huh? Please, take one track, take it home, and pray that the Lord would guide you and give this track to somebody. Ron Garris and I became almost pen pals. I see you. Hello. She's waved at me like three times. I'm waving back. How do you not wave at a little girl, you know? Anyhow, Ron Garris and I became pen pals, writing each other almost every week. And then I'm out of prison. I went to work for the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. Even the world didn't care. I went into politics. You know the, you know the adage, Mississippi's a political state. Wall Street sneezes. Who catches the cold? Washington, D.C. Money. The mother's milk of politicians, of, of politics. So I became the money man. I knew how to handle money. Started doing it myself. The world didn't care. 
Oh, they paid me on a 1099 just to make sure everything was kosher in case something came out. Bought me a car, set me up in an apartment, and that's how I continued. And you know, some of you, the ladies, know how we met. I took what the Lord had given me, and I gave it back to the church. I said, I can get you in the White House. I can get you in the Supreme Court. I can get you in the Senate. I can get you in the Congress. Any youth group that wants to come. And in the spring, I was really busy showing them around, showing them the Bible verses all over that, that beautiful city. And then one day, I got a letter, and it was Ron Garris. Him and Miss Judy were coming to see me. They said, we want the tour. We heard about a church. We want the tour. I said, I got you, buddy. Come on, let's go. And then he said, which was the whole purpose of the visit, I know you're not a preacher, but I'm praying you become one. Ron Garris was praying I became a preacher. Ron Garris said, I want you to come to our national conference and I want you to speak at our national conference. You just get up there and tell them your testimony. You get up there and tell them whatever you can do. An entire room full of missionaries, an entire room full of preachers. And I did. And then Brother Ron got cancer, went home to be with the Lord from Tennessee. And at his deathbed, at his deathbed, he reached in his wallet, pulled out a card, handed it to me there in the house, and he said, I don't think I'm going to see Miss Judy's birthday. Would you please grab that catalog and order something for Miss Judy for her birthday so it'll come for her birthday? I said, Brother Ron, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just a little bit of time, six weeks. I said, please. I said, okay. I didn't tell him I had it sent to the preacher. I called their preacher, Brother Wagner, on the phone, and I told him, you're going to be expecting a gift. It's from Brother Ron for Miss Judy. He doesn't think he's going to be there for the birthday. And he said, well, since you're telling me stuff, I'm going to tell you stuff. And I said, okay, what? He said, Brother Ron has a letter here for you. I know what it says because I was a witness to it. I want you to take care of Miss Judy. I want you to handle her financial affairs, and I want you to be the executor of their estate. Now, they had family. They had a son, Scott, and, and all that. I ended up taking care of Miss Judy. Miss Judy and I and my wife traveled all over the place on the first few months of our deputation when I became a preacher. And I'm sorry, Ron Garris never got to hear that I became a preacher. We were out on deputation, and my wife will attest, and you know what's coming next. We didn't have a GPS. I believed in a map. I can read a map. I can do ranger beads, too, if I need to go somewhere. Honey, what was it called? Yeah. Thanks for announcing that to everybody. Without, you've got to find a voice. At the time, there were commercials on TV called Tom Tom. You remember that GPS, Tom Tom? We had Judy Judy. She knew every back road there was in Georgia, every back road there was in Tennessee for years on the road with Brother Ron. And we went through here, not exactly here, but down in Gulfport. We went through there 
in 2005 after something big happened down there. Do you remember what that was? Yeah. We went through there. And Miss Judy, man, she was crying. She says, oh, that church. Oh, I remember that. Oh, that pastor's house. Oh, this. And that is how I got saved. So when I rail at you, when I stand up here and stomp my feet, when I smack my hands, slap that pulpit, I've been saved from a lot. And I mean a lot. I owe a lot. I owe a lot. And I'll tell you right here, right now, he doesn't even know this. Happened about a year and a half before we ever met. Remember who I laundered money for? They made an attempt on my life. They were scared to death. I got the scar in the back of my shoulder to show you. If you haven't been shot, you don't want to be shot because it burns. It burns. I was getting in the car. And if I hadn't knelt down, I would have taken one probably to the back of my head. No more. The Lord's protected me the whole time. I got jailhouse religion according to the federal government. First year we were married, the FBI and the Justice Department knocked on our home. My wife was playing the piano. My wife invited him in, served him tea and crumpets, and played the piano for him. And she said, I'll call A.B. And he'll be here. And they filled in the blank. In about 20 minutes, his address is 208 Massachusetts Avenue, where his office is. They knew everything. They knew everything. Since then, all the traveling all over the world, they still think jailhouse religion, but they've kind of stopped in the last... It lasted for about five to seven years. They no longer ask. They no longer care. Now it's a reverse. They call me on the phone and ask me, how is this happening with the cartel? And I have to tell them. I told them I'd help them. Sure. They've never asked me any questions about the Russian mob or how they did stuff. They've prosecuted everybody they need to prosecute. They've moved on to the cartels in Mexico. And I'll show them. Well, let me show you how this works. And they said, that can't be true. And I said, you guys are operating at least five years in the back. Five years in the rear. I took all this time just to get to this point. The authority of Christ over you is that you go out and hand out tracts. Go soul winning. Be a supportive member of this church. I want you to also notice not only the authority of Christ, but the compassion of Christ. Remember, you know this. You, some of you who've been saved know this story better than I do. He was on the other side of the sea and he said, what? Let's go where? I said, suppose Christ in his omnipotence. Christ didn't know that that maniac, that that man would be over there with a demonic spirit. He knew. He was going to help him. He was going to help the legion. The compassion that Christ has, even on somebody like that, what kind of compassion would he have for you? I doubt any of you husbands go home and your wife change you in the basement at night 
But some of you look like you have been sometimes. It's not that bad. If you do, come up and see Brother Jeremiah and I. We'll, we'll have a talk with her. We'll pray for you. The, com the compassion with an encounter with Christ led a legion to fall on his face and recognize who Christ was. And to be fearful. The Lord changed the message a little bit this afternoon. The one study. We were going to talk about being fearful of the Lord. About how a legion. And how some just don't seem to be fearful of the Lord. And some of the things they do and say. And keyboard commanders. Never led a soul to the Lord ever. I doubt they've ever even been out soul winning. I wonder how many tracks. Some of these keyboard commanders have handed out. Hmm? Just asking. Can't say amen. Say, woe is me. I understand. I just wonder. I just honestly wonder. I went to lunch with your Spanish pastor. And you, I forget your name, but I went with him. The teenager on the road. What's your name again? Bob, Dave, John. Isaiah. There you go. Isaiah with a thousand pairs of tennis shoes. Joke. Uh... I went to lunch with Isaiah, the Spanish pastor, preacher. And the Spanish pastor looked at me. He, he, he got me. He hurt me. He looked, he's right here on my left. He looked at me and he said, I'm out of the Spanish tracks. You got any? Uh, how do you say no in Spanish? Uh, no. And thanks a lot for hurting me. That hurt. But guess who did? Guess who did? And he went all around that restaurant to all those Spanish workers and handed out 15, 20, I don't know, 15, 20 tracks, staff working at the restaurant, construction workers, guys in there with big cowboy boots and hats, safety vests. He handed them out. I want you to understand something. Sorry. Could you stand up for me, Zach? Stand up, Zach, please. Well, you're looking behind him. You're standing up, too. You might as well stand up, too. Come on. There you go. Guess who's next? Oh, you're holding the baby. Well, you stand up, show everybody the baby. Brother Jeremiah, would you please stand up? Brother Jack, could you please stand up? Brother Jack's up here. Sure, it's good to see Brother Jack. Miss Barbara, did I miss any other? Oh, would you please stand up? All right, did I miss any staff in here? Real quick. Jeremiah, Brother Jeremiah, would you turn around and look? Did I miss any staff real quick? You know, full-time staff. Oh, yes, yes, brother, stand up. Yes, you, hurry up, hurry up. Let's go. Spanish preacher, stand up, please. All right, everybody, look around. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of us. I know the population. I'm an economist major. You have about uh, 12,800 to reach. 12,800, 12,800, 12,800, 12,800, 12,800, 12,800, 12,800. They can't do it. They can do it all day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You can have a seat, guys, ladies. They can't do it. 
They can't do it. You got, they need help. And you are the help. You're either part of the legion and the keyboard commandos. How come there's no t-shirts? I've seen t-shirts walking around Hattiesburg. ROTC. Ranger. Camp Shelby. Air Force. I've yet to see a t-shirt says keyboard commander or commando. How come? Because we don't like cowards in this country. That's why. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we just don't like cowards. That's just all there is to it. So if you see a keyboard commando t-shirt, take a picture of it and text the brother Childs. I'll change the message someday. Or I'll come back tomorrow night and say, I'm sorry. I've been saved from a lot, people. 12,844. They can't reach it. They can't reach it. They need your help. Do you not have any compassion? Do you understand that an encounter with Christ transforms you? It transforms you. It transformed me. It made a prisoner lead to other prisoners. One from Cuba, who spoke English. One from Cuba, and guess where the other one was from? Richard Butts from Richmond, Virginia. He had all kinds of federal charges on him. He was involved in all kinds of stuff. They were transformed. I lost contact when I went to China, but I do know Richard Butts was in a good fundamental Baptist church that preached the gospel. You can't have an encounter with Christ without transformation. Now here is the last part, and I'll make everybody happy. Last part. The expectation. We talked about expectation. And having the right expectation, you have to have it. You have to be willing to do anything. Anything. Hmm? Or, hmm. Doesn't matter. She gets it. She understands. If I were just reach her, I'm fine. But listen. Christ has an expectation on you. He has an expectation of what you're going to do. Hmm? I'm not going to embarrass her, but I sure do want to ask that lady up there. Oh, we'll ask her. We just won't hold her accountable. Miss Barbara, when was the last time you handed out a track? 1974? 1984? 97? 2003? Hmm? Hmm? I wonder when Miss Barbara handed out her last track. Just a suggestion for free, Brother Jeremiah. I keep a tally. At church, we show it up there at the conference room. I was doing it for the teens. Who was in first? Who was in second? Who was in third? And do you know, we have the same problems in China. People are people. Do you know that I had problems with the church? Because guess what? The teens are having all this fun. We're not having this kind of fun. Why don't you challenge us to hand out tracks? Okay, church, if you want me to keep track of you, I will. And we do. So, Brother Jeremiah, I just have a little suggestion, and I'm done. We're going to pray. I wonder, and I'm really thinking of you guys right now. Sorry. 
Boy, you better, you better be glad I'm not sticking around that past Saturday. Because I'd load you guys up with about 300 tracks each. We'd get on that van or bus. Oh, 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 oh. we'd be from Laurel to, where'd you tell me that other pelts? Or, there's another place down here. I don't know what it was called. It's where she's from. Where, where, where the young lady over there is from. We'd go out and hand out tracks. Then we'd go get something to eat. Your favorite part? Food. But I just wonder, Brother Jeremiah, if we start keeping track, all you got to do is keep up with Miss Barbara. I'm not even going to throw Uncle, uh, Brother Jack. I'm not even going to throw Brother Jack in there. Just keep up with Miss Barbara. What she hands out in the week with her illness. Got the flu a little bit, getting over it. Hmm? Just keep up with her. So as I close, the authority, the compassion, the transformation, and the expectation that has been placed upon you by Jesus Christ himself. I just wonder, sorry, I just think, I wonder if our Christian school principal goes to school, gets up, gets dressed, goes into school, doesn't read his Bible, doesn't pray. Could you imagine handling all those kids without Christ? Without praying? Now, for you guys, who's going to the Friday night teen bowling activity or whatever? Yeah, you know I bowl almost a perfect game every time, right? Yeah, I can score six, seven hundred. My own math. I'll tell you what. We'll let the little wife go against you. Taught her everything she knows about bowling. If she gets 50, it's a good day. If she scores a 50, it's a good day. Church, I love your pastor. I'm getting to know your staff, and you've got the right people in the right places. Church, please, I'm out there. People like me are out there. People like the two I led to the Lord are out there. Like who Brother Jeremiah and Miss Molly led to the Lord on Saturday. They're out there. Can we please be about, could you please stand to your feet? With every eye closed and every head bowed, let's go through all of them again. Just real quick. Are you willing to submit to the authority of Christ? Could you slip your hand up real quick and slide it back down? I'm willing. Yes, look at this. Look at the hands all over. I am going to submit to the authority of Christ. Christ has had compassion. You can slide it back down. Christ has had compassion on me. Can you think of a time and raise your hand that Christ has had compassion on you that you didn't get what you deserve? Could you slip your hand up and slide it right back down? Amen. If you're truly transformed, by an encounter with Christ. Could you come to an altar as the music begins to play? Could you come to the altar? Lord, what do you expect of me?